Hello and welcome to another episode of the Zone Project podcast, Getting Undressed with God. The podcast where we talk about what you think, but don't say it, you believe, but won't discuss it, and you often feel, but are too scared to share it. As always, I am your host, Pablo Giacopelli, and I am delighted that you could join me once again. Today, I am continuing the series on the heart, where I will be sharing the discoveries I have been able to make so far about the reasons why so many of our lives feel unfulfilled and like they are making very little difference, if any at all. So I invite you to sit back, fasten your seatbelts, and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode here of uh, the Zone Project podcast, Getting Undressed with God. Um, I am very glad that you could join me once again. I want to thank, first of all, uh, the people that were in touch last week after the latest podcast. Uh, Thank you for your comments and your encouragement. It is always uh, welcome. Uh, You know, sometimes one can sit in a room uh, and uh, talk into a microphone and wonder if it really is making any difference. So please don't feel that your uh, emails, your uh, messenger messages on Facebook and Instagram or your tweets or your DMs on Twitter, whatever it is, emails, uh, ways in which you communicate with me. don't ever feel that they're insignificant and they won't make a difference because they do make a very big difference and they do encourage me uh, in great, great ways, not only to continue to uh, put out a podcast every week, but of course, continue to share what I share, to share my story, to share my heart, to share the way that I do it, which is, of course, uncensored, raw and real uh, and as honest and transparent as it can, as I know how or it can possibly be. We all know that there's a lot that goes out into the world, uh, but so little of it is so real. So little of it uh, comes from a place of honesty. And so often um, there are just basic keys and formulas and things on how to manuals and how to get this and how to get God to do that. And I know that a lot of you who listen to me on a regular basis have had enough in the way that I did uh, several years back of the how-to manuals, Uh, because if we're honest, uh, Jesus's uh, teachings, the way that he delivered his message was through parables. Uh, And I believe he did that because the messages that he delivered, the the parables that he shared, you know, they were meant to convict and not convince people. They were meant to disguise and not disclose. So in other words, uh, they were meant to bring people into a space where their curiosity was awakened, where something within them was touched that responded because it felt that life and truth had been presented to it. And a journey would then go on, of course, uh, to require the revelation, the discovery of the truth and therefore eventually the transformation of the individual. I think it's a little bit as well why Jesus told the people that he healed, don't go and tell anybody. Uh, I often wonder why would he do that? Uh, And I think the reasons also why he did that was because he didn't want people to think that the only thing that he was about was healing, was doing miracles, uh, that he was there to just solve problems, if you like. Um, uh, He wanted people to discover him and discover a deeper uh, dimension uh, to interact with him, a space where they would relate with him. 
that he was available not just to solve problems, but he was available to relate one-to-one, moment by moment, that he was a trusted companion, that he was someone that shared his identity with us, uh, within our hearts, uh, in the form of his nature, uh, his image, and the capacity that we all have uh, to be like him. And, uh, and he was also uh, interested in, in other parts of our lives, not just those parts that were obviously in need of healing and broken uh, and in darkness and isolation and loneliness uh, and pain and suffering. But he was also interested in other areas, uh, the joys, the, the, the extended parts of our, our lives. Uh, he, was, he was interested in the whole of us and not just those areas where we were desperate for an intervention by someone who was, of course, greater and more capable than ourselves. Now, today, um, uh, I want to continue um, to share with you um, from my heart, as I always do. And as I as you know, those of you that uh, listen to me on a regular basis, I have been sharing um, several episodes on the heart and, uh, and the dimensions that we find when we move and live out of there. Um, and as I was praying and sort of just meditating on what, you know, what I was to share this week with you. Um, I felt very much led to uh, to share with you out of that uh, parable of the talents that Jesus uh, tells, um, not just in one book, but in a few of the Gospels. Um, and it's, it's interesting how, you know, the Gospels use different things uh, to describe what the talents are. Um, but as I do this, um, I want you to um, remember what I just said as far as uh, why Jesus shared parables, which was obviously you know, to, uh, to disguise instead of disclose, and of course, to convict instead of convince. So what I'm going to share with you, it is not going to be um, a, a personal way of, uh, of, of multiplying what God has given you, or a personal way to enrich yourself further, um, or in other words, to try and, and, and expand, you know, your life in the sense of a personal gain. Um, because, of course, as I always say, um, the, the scriptures, amongst the whole of the scriptures, there is always that third way that is hidden in there, which is, of course, the way of the kingdom. Uh, when we read the scriptures in a dualistic way through our dualistic mind, of course, we, we read them in first person. What can we get out of them? What are they telling us for ourselves? And whilst there is a time and a space for that, because of course we can't share with others what we haven't received ourselves and we can't um, help others see what we haven't seen ourselves first, it is very important that every time we do that, we also consider that whatever we are being shown for ourselves, it is not for ourselves to be kept just for us, but it is actually to share out, to bless others, to multiply so that others can benefit, so that others can also, of course, eat and drink from the well of life and the bread of life uh, that Jesus obviously said that he was and he came to share with us. So with that in mind, uh, I want to, I would like to, to invite you to grab your Bibles. I just want to sort of go and just quickly look over this passage in the Bible and then we'll obviously take off from there. Now I am going to be reading from Matthew 25. Uh, 25, 14, and it says, For it is like a man who went on a journey. And he called his servants and delivered his possessions to them. And there was one he gave five talents and another two and another one. And each man according to his ability. 
and he went immediately on a journey. And now he who received five talents and went and traded with them and gained five more. And likewise also he who received two traded and gained two others. But he who received one went and dug in the ground and hid the money of his master. Now after a great time the master came and received an account from them of those servants. And you who received five talents and brought five others drew near and said, My master, you gave to me five talents. Behold, I have added five others to them. And he said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will appoint you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he who received two talents drew near and said, My master, you gave to me two talents. And behold, I have added two others to them. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will appoint you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And you receive one talent drew near and also said, My master, you are known to be a hard man and that you reap where you have not sown and you gather from where you have not scattered. So I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Behold, you have what is yours. And his master answered and said to him, Evil and lazy servant. So it is known that I reap where I have not sown and gather from where I have not scattered. For you would have been right to have placed my money in the exchange and I would have come and have demanded his interest on my principal. And therefore take away the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to him who has, it will be given to him and it will increase to him. But he who does not have, even that which he has will be taken from him. And the idle servant was thrown into the outer darkness. Now we all know that the talents, um, obviously, in the way that they have been explained in uh, days go by, refer to... Um, something that is valuable. Um, often talents were a way of measuring uh, gold or, or, or coins or, or something that could be used uh, to buy, to, to trade uh, and to obviously reproduce in a material way. Now, whilst there is a place to obviously focus on that, what I want to focus in is, of course, the talents that God puts within our hearts in order to obviously keep it in line with this realm of the heart that I have been sharing and I obviously continue to feel led to share with you. Now, each man um, is given talents. Uh, we all are born with at least one talent. Um, and uh, while it is true that in the world we value certain talents more than others, uh, say, for example, a football player uh, gets paid millions of dollars to run around with this or pass this funny shaped ball Every Sunday, a teacher, uh, of course, who also has a great talent, um, is obviously not considered to be worth paying as much as someone who runs around on a Sunday. Now, uh, we, we, through this example, we show how we value certain things more than others. Now, of course, God is not like that at all. Because God doesn't really value things from the perspective that we do where we look at the outward appearance but he obviously values the heart and what is put in there and the motivations that are behind it. So whilst we see dollar signs, he sees hearts being healed, hearts coming into a relationship with him, hearts discovering the potential, the identity, the nature, the likeness, the capacity to be like him that he's put within them. Um, we know um, that, of course, this is not something that is just new. We look at Samuel. You know, Samuel is somebody who, uh, when he went out to anoint the next king of Israel, he was looking at things in the way that we do today as well. 
whilst he was looking of course at uh, you know who the father was presenting who the firstborn was he was looking at the looks outside the the outer strength the physical strength uh, he was looking uh, at who had been favored by the the father of the house god was focusing on the heart um, and again you know that is one thing but then of course we can look at other things in the bible and we see that the people that god goes after the ones that he seems to focus on are always the ones that outside seem to be the least favored but yet within he has packed much within them so in other words you know here i'm thinking about david i'm thinking about joseph i'm thinking about peter i'm thinking about gideon you know i'm thinking about uh, even jesus himself who people missed who he was because they focused on this outer appearance you know what he was able to do outside what role he played in society you know he said isn't that joseph's son isn't that the carpenter from nazareth nothing good can come out of there so they were limited in seeing the potential within him like a lot of people would have been limited in seeing the potential say inside of david because instead of being presented by his father he was obviously abandoned rejected and sent out in the fields to take care of some sorry sheep the same with Moses, you know, he was a convict, he was living in isolation. The same was with David, he was a criminal, a supposed criminal, a convicted criminal. You know, someone that had been thrown in jail for doing something that of course he didn't do, but nobody really knew that apart from God. And so these people on the outside didn't see much. Gideon, he was hiding, you know, he was afraid, and yet God calls him a mighty warrior. So again, if we... Uh, what I like to focus on here is it's not the outward, but it's the inward talents that God has given us and the worth and the value that, that those carry within us, that God places uh, on them. That, of course, again, we don't necessarily do the same in the world, but nevertheless, I want to focus on the way that God sees it so that we can also begin to see the way that he does. So with this in mind, if we take the amount of talents that each man had been given, um, we would say that the one that was given five talents had the capacity, had been given talents, enough talents to be able to not only reach, but also bless and share with multitudes and multitudes. Right now, we also know that the one that was given two talents, if we look at it in the same way, he was somebody that had been given the ability to also bless many apart from himself. And then we obviously have the guy with the one talent, which again, he had been given the capacity to bless himself and maybe perhaps a few others, but nowhere near as much as the one with two and obviously quite clearly the one with five. Now, it is interesting that the Bible clearly uh, supports this um, because it says that each was given according to his ability now all of us um you know we are given certain things when we are born say geographical positioning we are born in different parts of the world the family that we are born to the substance that that family has uh, the belief system that the family practices or it subscribes to uh, the language that we speak, uh, if you like. Um, and so these things affect all, they have the potential to affect how and what we can do with our talents. Okay. Now that again is looking at it from an outward perspective. 
Because if we look at, uh, say, for example, the mustard seed. Now, Jesus said the mustard seed is the smallest seed in creation. Yet, when it is sown in good ground and it is water and it is fertilized, it goes on to produce uh, and become the biggest tree there is, but also one of the trees that gives the most fruit and for the longest. Okay, so again, uh, you know, in the kingdom, it doesn't really matter where we start and what we have to start with. What matters is discovering what God has put within us and the intentions that God had when he gave us that. Once we begin to discover that within our hearts, it doesn't really matter what the, the outward um, circumstances we were born into. Um, you know, whether they give us the ability to do certain things for ourselves or not, if they allow that. What matters is understanding the talents that we have been given. So Gideon, he, Gideon goes from being someone that apparently his circumstances are not very good because he's hiding. And then he goes on to deliver uh, God's people in a huge way. You have Moses, who again, outside, doesn't seem to have the ability even to speak. Never mind substance-wise, but to even speak. Yet he becomes the deliverer of God's people out of Egypt. You look at David, someone who is again running away from the law, who's hiding in a cave, who doesn't have much going for him. And yet he goes on to become the greatest king, not just one of the kings, but the greatest king that Israel has ever had in his history to date. And I could go on, you know, Joseph, you all know the stories. And the thing is, these guys outside, they were very limited. They didn't have the ability to do very much for themselves. Their circumstances were impossible. And so I ask you, what circumstances have you been looking at in your life that have been in your mind been good enough to limit what God has put within you? but also that you used to compare yourself with others and you look at others and you go, well, you see, he's okay because he was born there and his family had money and he was given this break and he's really good at this and people value this. When you look at that, you are, what is happening there is you are basically saying to God, what you have put within me is not good enough. What you have put good within me is not worth very much. And you made a mistake. And, and I just need to sort of tell you, God didn't make the mistake. The one that is making the mistake is you. God shows no favoritism to anybody. God gives according to our ability. And then he observes. Yes, the results are for him to give. But remember, the servant, the one servant that hit the talent, he was not reprimanded because he didn't succeed. He was reprimanded because he didn't try. And that there lies what happens when we compare ourselves with others, which happens a lot in religion. And we limit our journeys and we don't even bother trying to see what God wants to do with what he puts within us because we don't even get to the point where we discover it. And so it is very important to understand that God doesn't come along and says, hey, man, you know, uh, you only had two and you only reproduced two. So you're, you, you, know, you didn't do as well as the one that had five. No. You know, the one that had five, he reproduced five, one for each talent. The one that had two, he reproduced two, one for each talent. Again, God gives the reward to each of them, okay, with what they've done. 
Now, I am sure if the guy who had two talents came and said, hey, man, I tried, you know, I did my best. I only managed to get a, another extra talent. You know, I don't believe Jesus would have said to him, hey, man, you failed. You're no good. Get lost. No, because he saw that the guy went out. He took a risk. He believed in what he had been given and he did his best with what he had and he went for it which is what God desires for each and every one of us to do. So if today you have something within you that you, you know, it keeps knocking on the door of your heart, that desire, you know, you have this desire to do this thing, to go this place, to reach these people, to bless others. You know, you have this desire to somehow make your life be larger than it actually is as far as your circumstances, then I want to encourage you to tap into that. I want to encourage you to believe that that is the, the talents that God has put within your heart, knocking on the door of your heart, asking for you to notice them, asking for you to water them, asking for you to fertilize them in the form. How do we water and fertilize our talents? By using them. By putting them out there, not comparing them to others, not thinking they're not good enough. I remember in my life, I never used to share what I believed and saw because it didn't really always align with what the big superstars, you know, the big hitters in religion were sharing. So I, for years, hid it and hid it. And then one day God said to me, Pablo, I want you to share what I have put within you, what I have given you, what I have shown you, what I am giving you to give to others. And as I've begun to do that, and I began, uh, I stopped from uh, diminishing or, or if you know, devaluing that, but I began to accept it as a precious gift, a treasure that God has sown within me. I have begun to see my life reach places, people and faces that I will never meet and I never thought I would be able to. And if you don't believe me, you're listening to me. And I don't know where you are. I don't know who you are, but here I am speaking into a microphone and you are listening to me. So as you can see, when we begin to trust God with the talents that he has given us, it doesn't matter how many they are, whether they're one, whether they're two, three, four, five, 10, 15, 20, it doesn't really matter. It is for God to give the harvest. It is for him to cause things to grow and multiply. All we need to do is we need to try and go out and make the most of what we have been given. I say it again. Remember, the servant that hid the talent was not told off because he hid it and failed. He was told off because he didn't try. So whatever excuse you've set up, you've accepted, you've bought into, that, tell, that has prevented you from going for it, I want to encourage you. I want you to take this as a notice from God. I want you to take this as a, as a personal message, a personal DM, a direct message from God that is saying to you, it is time to try. It is time to take what I put within you, to value it, to, to take it and see it as I see it, something unique, something special that is only been given to you, uh, coupled together with all the other things, your culture, your, uh, the place of the world you come from, the language, the people that you can reach. See, for example, I don't speak Chinese. So for me to reach someone in China, it's a lot harder than someone that already speaks Chinese and comes from there. Yet someone in China might look at what he has and think, well, it's not really worth that much because I was born in China and there's so many of us. And what can I do with it? So you see, again, it doesn't pay to compare ourselves with others. Each of us are individuals uniquely and 
wonderfully made in his image, carrying his nature and the capacity to be just like him. So today, again, I say to you, take this as a DM from God that it is time to pick up what he has given you and it is time to make the most of it. He will determine whether five become 10 or they become seven or eight. It doesn't really matter. What matters to God is that we go for it and we value what he has given us because he himself certainly values it. Now, the second observation that I like to make um, and to sort of bring to our attention from this passage is uh, what I believe it's incredibly important uh, and it is the, the way that we release and, and see our ability begin to flow into our lives. And that is by us taking responsibility for what God has given us. Um, now, I want to tell you a, a little story, um, just building on this, this disease, this human disease of comparing ourselves to others. Uh, tell you a little story to sort of uh, try and help you to see this, uh, what I mean by respond, taking responsibility for the abilities we have been given. Um, one of the players that I, uh, I worked with, uh, who was ex extremely successful, when she came to me uh, to start working with me, um, she said to me, you know, one of my problems is I am not able to play tennis the way the top girls do. I'm not, I don't have the talent that they have. I'm not able to do what they seem to so easily do. Now, in one sense, she was right. Um, and she wasn't, uh, you know, she didn't have the, the, the talent, if you like, that someone else had. But... As I pointed out to her and I said, yes, you may not be able to do those things. You may not have those talents, but you do have talents that they don't have. Now, the problem here is that you have been comparing yourself and fixing yourself and admiring so much their talents that, you know, if you like, you have somehow degraded and you have caused in your mind your talents to become worthless and you feel that compared to theirs, they have no chance. So I said to her, you know, you can only take responsibility for what you have been given. You can only use what you have been given. You cannot use what others have been given. You may borrow it, but it will never, ever reproduce itself in your life in the way that it has in theirs. You may borrow other people's uh, opportunities if you like, but again, it will be their opportunities that they got as they went out and they tried and used the talents and worked from the places that God had put within them. And again, you may again come under their wing. You may benefit from their opportunities, but you will never, ever be able to see the reproduction and the favor and the things that they've experienced in their lives because that wasn't your opportunity. And so... The only thing that this player was missing was her ability to fix her eyes on the things that she had been given. And so we began to work uh, along the lines of the talents that she had, uh, and which enabled her to play tennis in a way that most female players couldn't play, in which case she had something unique that most players didn't encounter along the way which meant they weren't used to playing against it. And it was actually that difference in her talent which became her weapon uh, and which caught so many players by surprise 
and over the match it disarmed them and disarmed what in her capacity and in her view my player often saw as better talent and and more capable talent than hers uh, which was capable of producing and reproducing much more it began to it began to disable those very things that at one time she had thought were much better than what God had given her now this player went on to become top 10 in the world um, when we started working she was uh, just barely inside the top 100 and and this is exactly what I am trying to sort of share with you here what happened with this player is she began to take responsibility for what she had been given she stopped looking at others and she started focusing on what had been given she began to use what she had been given she began to put out and she began to sharpen those things that she had been freely given by God and as she did that she began to multiply she began to grow she began to reach places that in the view of others professional opinions if you like would have never ever given her a, a chance anywhere to be able to reach and reproduce the talent that she had in the way that she did so very important for us to take responsibility because it is responsibility that activates ability it is taking responsibility for what we have been given, which is what God looks at. You see here, when the man returns from his journey, he doesn't look at the one that produced the multiply two to four and says to him, well, you didn't do as well as the one that had five that multiplied to ten. He doesn't compare them. He doesn't bring to his attention the fact that the other had multiplied more, even though the other one had more to start with. He doesn't in any way use the talent as a measuring stick which many have used in the bible to say well a talent was to measure worth he doesn't use that as a measuring stick for to 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 give a worth of the person or what he, he or she has done he actually says well done you had two you multiply into a four so you doubled it you had five you multiplied into ten and again this is what the one that the servant with the one talent didn't do he did not take the responsibility that comes with the ability that we have given he buried it he took it and put it on the side and he went on with his life trying to do something else trying to put his trust on other things that perhaps promised him on face value on the surface a much richer a much more successful life on the outside but as we know that doesn't automatically mean prosperity health happiness and peace within ourselves yeah and so again the one talent man did not take responsibility for what he had given he didn't go out and do something with it he buried it he left it on the side he didn't give it the attention that it required for it to reproduce because let's face it the one with the two could have looked at the one with the five and could have thought, well, you know, here we are. I only have two. He has five. What's the point? I'll put it on the side and I'll just get. No, he got to work. And it's also interesting to see that the servant with the one talent that only that didn't manage to reproduce at all. He starts his sentence by blaming the master why he has proceeded to act in the way that he has. Again, another obvious point that shows us that this was a man that did not possess 
the ability to take responsibility for what he had been given. He was someone that reflected on others and didn't take responsibility for who he was and for the areas in his life that perhaps remained broken, remained full of fear, because we know that he was a man that carried a lot of fear and that kept him bound to whatever he was bound, which obviously in his estimation deserved a lot more attention and it promised a lot more security and it promised a lot more, for all we know, success in the eyes of himself and others that he was with, right? He was someone that obviously did, he put his, his, his few, you know, whatever he was, his ability, whatever he was, his responsibility, he put it to the side and he focused on those things. So I want to encourage you today, take responsibility for what God has given you. Don't compare it to others. You can't take responsibility for what he has given to others. You can only take responsibility for what he has given and planted within you. Get on with that. Try with that and see God multiply it. And remember what it says to him who has much more will be given. To him who has little, even the little he has, it will be taken away and given to the one that has much. Again, we are the ones that determine how it goes for us. God doesn't sit there watching and giving, oh, I'll just, you know, I like him more, so I'll favor him more. Oh, I like him. No, God is not like that. God is the same with all of us. We are the ones that sabotage our journey. We are the ones the sabotage what we have been given because we do not take responsibility for it, usually because we're too busy focusing on others and what they have that we didn't get. And now my, uh, my final observation as we are coming to the end of today's podcast uh, to do with the talents that God has put within our hearts is that the best place to not only experience but make the most of our talent it's on the present moment. Now, you and I both know when we live from our hearts in that place within us where we are eternal. And as we know, in eternity, there is absolutely no time. There's just eternity and the moment. Um, we are able to not only live, but we're able to remain within the present moment, which I believe is also where we find and experience and live out of the kingdom. You know, that third way. Um, and so this, this, is, this is extremely important. Now, we see that, um, again, um, in, the, in the parable that we read that Jesus tells, is he, every time he, he rewards people, he re in this parable, he rewards them by entering into the joy of their master. Now, I've, uh, I've thought about that a lot, you know, the joy of my master. And I know the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is my strength. And if, if the joy of the Lord is my strength um, and the place where I experience, the place where I am able to not only experience, but relate with God um, in a real way, not in an absent way, but in a present way where I'm fully aware of his presence, it's in the moment, then it is there that I can only experience the joy of my master. And so it is from that place. And I don't know about you, but when I when I these days, as I do what I love to do, as I function out of the talents that God has given me, as I am uh, finding new ways to express and share those talents and reach even more people, 
Uh, when I arrive home at the end of the day or when I walk out of my office or when I walk out of this uh, little place where I'm recording this podcast, I have such joy, such fulfillment within me. I might not necessarily be richer, but, you know, I have this inexplicable joy and, and stillness and peace that is overflowing. It's like my cup, as in the psalmist says, it overflows. Something that I never got, even though I might have done other things, where, of course, uh, like that one servant, I was finding maybe more approval from others, or I was enriching myself financially more, or I appeared to be more noticed by others. I never had that fulfilling uh, joy, uh, you know, overflowing joy that I have these days. And now I know as you're listening to this, World Public says, you know, I got bills to pay. I got to make a living. I want to remind you of several podcasts ago when I shared about the way that we approach this journey with God. We need to approach this journey with God the third way, the way of the kingdom. If you remember from uh, Matthew 6, where I shared that parable that Jesus speaks about not worrying what we will eat and wear. You know, we, if we approach it from our minds and our egos, we are going to be about having or not having, uh, making or not making. But when we approach it the third way and we are working, we are living out of our talents, functioning out of what God has given us, right? And reproducing from there, the Bible says, and Jesus said in that very parable, in that very section of the Bible in Matthew 6, that things are added unto us. So in other words, when we work, when we uh, reproduce from our talents, we build and expand the arenas, the places. When we begin to function from there, we begin to create reality in our lives, a reality that is reserved just for us. We begin to reproduce this reality. And in this reality, we grow, we expand, we stretch, we, we reach over the fence, if you like. And the Bible says that the boundary places for us have fallen in pleasant places. So it is, it be, our lives become spacious and we come into opportunities where suddenly we are blessed, not just with opportunities to reproduce and bless others, but we're also taken care of in a much better way than we would if we were trying to do it on our own strength with what we thought was secure because the world told us so. So I want to invite you to just consider this. The servant with the one talent, all he was doing was living an absent life. How do we know that? Because he says to the master, I was afraid. Now, the only way that we can be afraid is if we look back in the past or we look forward into the future, because in the moment there is nothing to be afraid of. So this was a man that was not only not aware of what he had been given, but he had placed no value on it, which led to him not taking any responsibility for it. And it meant him living an absent life. So he, you know, this perception of his master that he, he says, you know, this is the man that I am, blah, blah, blah. The master never agrees with him. The master actually says, if I was indeed that way, then why didn't you at least do this, this and this? Showing him this wasn't about me. It wasn't about who I am or I am not because you don't even know me in the first place. If you knew me, you would have taken the risk. You would have gone for it. You would have known that I would never have given you something that was worthless and would never do anything if you engaged it. Instead, you were preoccupied with things that had nothing to do with the reality of who I am and who you are. You were worried about the future. You were, action, you were living out of anxiety 
and fear and very possibly shame. You were more concerned about what others were saying and the results you were trying to get in your life than engaging the one thing that I gave you, which would have taken you further and done more for you th and through you than anything else you managed to do to yourself. So I want to leave you with that. I want to thank you for listening. Whoever you are and wherever you are in this beautiful world that God has created, may you continue to know and experience that beautiful inner embrace of that resurrected Christ moment by moment, day by day. Until next time, I leave you with my peace and I send you my shalom. Bye-bye. Friends, thank you for listening to the Zone Project podcast, Getting Undressed with God. We have come to the end of another episode, and I sincerely hope that it has been enjoyable, a blessing, but above all else, it has led you to perhaps consider perspectives you have never seen before. For more information about the Zone Project, this podcast, and all the other work that I put out on a regular basis, please take some time to check out the show notes where you will find the relevant links. As for me... I hope that you can join me again, so until next time, thank you and Shalom.